Yeah, it's time. We just got the mail from the mailman. Oh, who's that at the door? Who's that? Oh, Is my that God, Stetson it's Bennett. mailman Stetson. Oh. Hey, guys, it's so good Stetson. to see you. I have a bag of Ask CDCs for you. Oh, Stetson. Hey, do you need this empty Dr. Pepper bottle for your plug? It's so good to see you here. Welcome to Chapel Bell Curve, a stats-focused podcast about UGA football. I'm Nathan. And I am Justin. And here we are. It is time for the meetup, the meeting between the DAWGS dogs, 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 and Cats the chaos of the University of Kentucky. Uh, we have some very dear friends who are Kentucky fans. We have a member of our server who's a Kentucky fan who's just here because he's a good man. And mm. we have not seen hide nor hair of him in a couple of days because he, I think, it, he had some wisdom in him and chose to sort of uh, distance himself <laughs> from whatever the the hive of scum and villainy that is the Chapel Bell Curve Discord. So we are here I, to yeah. say not nice things about a team who one of our friends likes, and we've had we've both had very long weeks personally, and we're both very tired. So I'm not going to lie to you. You know, sometimes. You get out here and you're happy to do the game plan and you have a lot of energy. And sometimes you have to just keep chopping wood. You have, sometimes you just have to execute. Mm-hmm. And today is one of the days where we're just going to execute. You know, you got to do it because you love the game, not because you love the situation you're in. So that's right. us out here. We're loving the game. We're going we're gonna to do this on fumes. To, I want you to know I, I had a meeting with a foundation recently this week and I spoke to them. I used process-oriented thinking and and used the, uh, you know, the allegory of, of chopping wood for them. And they were like, wow, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, you got to chop the wood. Chop enough wood, you chop down the whole tree. I'm like, that's exactly right. And that's exactly, exactly right. what we are doing. <laughs> they were like, right. wow, yeah, that's really good. I'm like, man, football out here paying off. Thanks, Kirby. Thanks yeah. again. Saving me. Yeah. Don't want to get results-oriented. That's, that's rule mm-hmm. number one. Don't get results-oriented. Uh, we're not bill. we're not going to get results oriented about this podcast episode which means i probably am not going to listen to it <laughs> because i don't have <laughs> high hopes but let's talk about the cats and the dogs i'm glad and we just set those expectations really early yeah you know oh, i man. i think it's important i think my expectation for this show is that other people enjoy it and we have fun making it and that you know we put out quality accurate content that helps people understand football and yeah. sometimes most of the time I feel like I want to hit all three of those goals. And sometimes it's like, let's try to get to one. Let's just try to be accurate. You know, like that's all. Let's just try to be yeah, accurate. Yep, so yep, yep. let's start with some news items. Uh, Justin, I know that you have sort of collected us some, some general, I don't know, just general like state of the week stuff. Would you like to go oh, over yeah. it? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. It's kind of, um, so it's a weird place to be. We haven't been here in a while. I don't think we've ever been like at this level of hype since we've been doing the podcast either. Not in the same way. Like back in, you know, back back when the the dogs did go to the national championship a few years ago, it was it was very much one of like the headlines were always questioning Georgia. Um, this has been weird though because it's all the headlines now are like pumping Georgia up, and we're getting all of like the Cinder not the Cinderella story ones, but very much like the the prettiest girl at the ball kind of thing. Like, oh, she was hot all along, kind of thing. And like we're getting all these like really fluff stories about certain players. That's very weird. Yeah, to kind Georgia, of, Georgia has finally taken down its hair and taken off it. We've we've took, taken down our hair and taken off our glasses. Okay. Yeah, then they, okay, we've sorry. been revealed as uh, yeah, we were hot all along exactly. So yeah. it's just been weird. Um, the other headlines that are kind of coming through are all the the stories that are just kind of saying like, oh, now now the pressure is on Georgia. You better you just keep on doing your thing. The pressure is on. You better be good. And I, I'm seeing like a bunch of um, like earlier today. I saw uh, I think it was from ESPN that um, everyone has been talking about that. Uh, what's his face? Alex Kirshner, his his uh, his article that talked about this Georgia uh, defense is the best, possibly the best ever, and compared it against the 2011 uh, Alabama defense, and that has been just going around all the talking head shows in the past few weeks, especially this week. Like it's really kind of hit 
the uh, like the peak of buzz, and it's it's been really interesting to kind of see mm-hmm. that going on. But how are you, how are you feeling about all of these things and and kind of where we are at in the the media I'm, sphere? I guess. I mean, yeah, it's been a long time since. I mean, I think that we could do a whole episode about the way that you know Alabama's rise to prominence and just sort of not just results domination but process domination of the sport right uh, they have warped sort of the coverage of them but they've also warped the way the sport works and this is one of the few times in recent history since you know the advent of Nick Saban the coming of Lord Saban that Georgia has had that same warping effect on at least the micro narrative from week to week right i i think Alabama is still Alabama and will continue to be as long as a, as Nick Saban is there, but I think this is one of the few times where, I mean, you're right. The focus really has not been on Alabama, right? I, I think there's kind mm-hmm. of, I think most people who have watched football before and know how this Alabama team works will tell you that Alabama is almost certainly going to just absolutely molecularize Mississippi State. But I, I haven't really heard a lot about Alabama this week, and I think mm-hmm. that is it's interesting it's interesting the way sort of the ebb and the flow of media and where coverage gets aimed works and i think that you know there's a reason for that where i we're the bell of the ball because we have the best unit in college football and to this point in the year just from a pure not from a looking forward standpoint which you know we try to do with our analytics but just from a pure i don't know uh like resume right uga has the best resume on the year and yeah. they have the best unit on, you know, in the nation. And their other two units aren't bad. And so I think it's it's a natural outflow of the way that teams at that level get covered. I don't think it's a specifically to specific to UGA thing. I think it's just like UGA has gotten just a taste of the Bama treatment these last two weeks. And I think you've kind of seen that, right? Uh, I, I think personally yeah. part of it has been I this is out this is not a great week of college football right and i think the original plan was originally that ucf cincinnati would be uh college college football game day but then ucf had a bunch of injuries and lost a game and now it's not and so i which i i think that would have been cool that's a really good mid-major game but i think i don't know that espn really planned to have this as their college football as the college game day Mm-mm. game and now that they have i think that we're seeing some sort of in-house uh, I'm not going to say in-house press releases, but I think we've seen quite a few. How could Kentucky upset Georgia at pieces? Mm-hmm. And certainly that could happen, but it's not, I mean, it depends on who, what rating service that you look at, but this is, you know, people per, are predicting this as anywhere between the, the various uh, stat services are predicting this as anywhere between like a 14 and a 20 point, 24 point win. And certainly like in those kinds of predicted margins, you sometimes will find wins for the underdog, but it's not like the most common thing that's ever happened. I mean, currently right now, CBC R squared has this pre- uh, predicted as a 26 point victory for yeah. UGA. So I, I don't know. I mean, I, I think it's pretty exciting. Yeah, it is. But I think narrative wise that it, it just is what it is right now. I mean, that's just the kind of rarefied air that Georgia's in. I want to briefly talk <laughs> about before we move on. I know we have some stuff about injuries and we have some breaking news. Just briefly looking at the history of this game. Uh, do you know the record between these two teams? Historically, oh, buddy, it's it is it's lopsided as hell. Yeah, it 60, is 60, 12, and 12. <laughs> yeah. And it that's not so. So Kentucky has only beat. Georgia 12 times, two of which I was a fan for because that's the way it works. Just like by frame of reference, UGA is currently 59, two and 20 against Vanderbilt. Right. And so I, I think it's hard and certainly like can't take anything away from the current administration at Kentucky. I think the, just the job that Stoops has done there has been remarkable, but I think simultaneously, like it's easy to forget how competent Kentucky looks like from week in and week out is not, it, it's not been historically the case, right? Uh, UGA is currently mm. in the midst of its longest win streak against, uh, against Kentucky with 11 straight. The last loss is I believe in 2009. Yeah. 2009, uh, my junior year in college and also my freshman year in college, we lost to Kentucky, uh, 34, 27 in 2009 and then 24, 20 in 2006. So, it's certainly 
has been quite lopsided and I love Kentucky to death. And I, I, I think it, they're, they're just such a fun, trendy, interesting team right now that it's easy to forget mm. that even if Kentucky loses this game, I think it's important to acknowledge this is a very, very good team. And the fact that we can even have like a credible discussion about like, can Kentucky pull the upset is actually really impressive historically, because this is just not a team that has had any success against the power programs. And I think you have to give a lot of credit to soups and the job that he's done from the outset. I, I don't know yeah. that I'm going to predict them to win, but that's, I just wanted to say that. So let's talk about on the Georgia side. We have some injury updates. What's our injury situation look like right now? I mean, it's it's more or less about the same. We have some some folks that will probably make their way back to the field this week, but I would not expect anything too crazy to come through. Um, I think we'll see a few other folks like Rosemary Jack Saint may make an appearance. Jermaine Burton uh, will still probably make an appearance. Um you know, Kenny McIntosh was was kind of questionable, but it seems like he may see a little bit of playing time. Uh, if the running game can't get started, I think you'll probably see him in pads on the sidelines. Jamari Sawyer is probable. However, that's another one of those pieces where I think that if we have this game in hand, then we may not see a lot of Jamari Sawyer. Uh, Chris Smith may, may, may be all right as well. Um, the ones listed still as doubtful are JT Daniels, Blaylock, Arian Smith, Amir Speed, um, and all those that were out still. Um, those folks are still not coming back, the, like the George Pickens, the Tate Rattledge, those folks. Before we get into the late breaking news, the, the couple of like sort of pieces of editorializing I would add to that is that it seems like Christopher Smith and Jamari Sawyer could have played if they were needed. I don't know yeah. to the, what extent they will be needed this week. I think Jamari Sawyer mm-hmm. will probably get some precautionary rest because he's a big guy with an ankle injury. I know that for a, a big hitter, a, a guy at a hitter position like Christopher Smith, the shoulder injury can be, you know, that's often the point of impact. So it wouldn't shock me if both those guys were out. But the fact that they were both dressed and ready to go back in if needed tells me that maybe those injuries aren't too severe. Similarly with, I believe that both Dom Blaylock and uh, Burton, Jermaine Burton, both dressed. Or I know I know Jermaine Burton did dressed and didn't play, which again, I, I mm-hmm. think I think that who which of these guys who are sort of in that borderline uh, category play, including JT Daniels, really has a lot to do with where does Georgia think they are in regards to Kentucky and do they need these guys? Because if they don't, I think they would be perfectly willing just to, you know, get on through and go get get to the bye week, right? And, you know, if you yeah. have a if you have a safety that you're worried about if he, you know, if he can hit without hurting a shoulder again, I think it makes sense to some extent to save him for a, the game against probably your best opponent on the year. So yeah. That's all I got. Yeah, I, I exactly. it would not shock me to see a lot of these guys sit out if Georgia gets up early big. Right? Even if yeah. these guys play, it wouldn't it wouldn't shock me that and this isn't something you you know, most people I think would notice because these guys don't play the flashiest of positions, but you know, if we get up by two or three touchdowns, we that even if Jamari Sellier starts, that might be the end of his day. Or it might be two. It might be real quick. Anyway. Yeah. This is those are definitely the kind of players that you don't notice if they are doing well. Like it's one of the, the times like you only notice that they're doing a poor job, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah, absolutely. You know, some, I, I do want to mention just real quick, uh, <laughs> there are some other um, interesting, I don't know about narratives, but the way that this game is being told that the narrative of this game is, is kind of being run through social media and different articles is just that this is the game that people think we could lose. Um, but in like a, in a way that everyone's just kind of excited about Kentucky, like they're just kind of happy to be here sort of thing. Like we're not going to see this kind of, uh, excitement for like the Florida game. Um, it's definitely something that's like, look at Kentucky go, you know, they could really do it. And then when people start kind of digging into the stats, even a little bit, they're like, actually, no, let's just enjoy it while we have it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I think you really kind of enjoyed that idea. I mean, I think you'll certainly feel excitement. There will be some national excitement for the Florida mm-hmm. Georgia game, but you're right. It won't have this tinge of like, look, Kentucky's a great story. I mean, and regardless, mm-hmm. and again, the point of college football is not to win the national championship for, I would say any team. I would say that Alabama has totally like broken the way that we think about college football, right? The point is to support your team. And and I think if if Kentucky gets blown out this weekend, it won't take away from how cool their season has been, right? They haven't been... 6 and 0 mm-hmm. since the 50s, right? So I mean this is an important season for Kentucky even if they lose the last 6 games, which I doubt that they will. But you're right. I think, you know, I mean do, do you want to take this time to transition into the stats? 
Yeah, let's do it. Oh, we, we didn't talk about breaking news for. Um, oh yeah, let's talk about breaking news. Who we yeah, just yeah. heard about? Yeah, what did we hear while we were we were starting up? Apparently, Tyke Smith has torn his ACL, and this happened. We yeah. this was conf- I think first reported by Palmer Thomas at On Three, and then confirmed by both rivals in Twenty Four Seven that Smith was going to be out for the year. Uh, you know, obviously Georgia's defense is playing quite well this year. You would like to get him back, but you know. Good luck to him. Hopefully, he will be back with us next year. He's only going to be an upcoming junior. Maybe that you know gives us another year with him. We'll see. I, I'm not saying this doesn't matter. He's definitely a depth piece, and especially with all the safety injuries that we've had, it matters. But also, I just th- I care most about him. Like you know, it, it's such a gut punch to transfer and then have a foot injury, and then right as you're coming back, he got some playing time on Friday, especially after Chris Smith went out. It's it's a it's a total just like punch in the face to to be out for the season. And so mm-hmm. obviously thoughts and good vibes slash prayers slash whatever for Taiki on, on a swift recovery. He'll be, you know, taken care of by one of the best sports medicine teams on the planet. So I think, you know, he's going to be great, but uh, it sucks. It really sucks. Just yeah. the, the context whatever, of it sucks. Whatever flavor vibes you choose to put into the universe, send them his yeah. way. Yeah. He deserves some good vibes because he's had, you know, I mean, it's just a rough go. Injury, of it this injury luck is not has not been good for him. So, let's talk about some stats. I yeah, how good is this team? I'm gonna run down some stats for you that I think are for Kentucky. So Georgia still pretty good on offense. Uh, you know, very good at havoc rate, surrendered, very bad at explosiveness, pretty good at success rate, 45th in EPA. So Kentucky defensively, just just listen to some numbers and see if you can tell. You know. Where what is not like the other? So thirty fourth in uh, EPA, success rate rank ninety second, explosiveness rank sixth, stuff rate rank fifty third, line yards rank fifty first, PPO rank forty eighth, havoc rate fifty first, rush EPA eighteenth, pass EPA seventy third, standard down EPA sixty eight, pass down EPA ninth. So very interesting Hmm. uh, highs and lows here. So let me just. See if I can give you my read on this here. So yeah. Kentucky is not good at defending success, or ex- they're not good at defending success rate. They've uh, they're surrounding forty four point eight zero success rate on average. Just by you know, I mean, by comparison, UGA is cons- is surrounding or about three percent lower for second in the nation. Uh, no, about oh god, no, way lower than that. The UGA is surrendering, <laughs> uh, let's see, twelve percent lower for second in the nation. So. You know, not defending success rate well indicates to me that you're giving up a lot of four to five yard plays. And the fact that you combine that with sixth and explosiveness rank, right? So they are not giving up big plays, but they're giving up a lot of four to five yard plays. And also that your rush EP rank is in the top 20 at 18, but your pass EP rank is 73rd. What that indicates to me is that this is a team that has been getting, I I, I don't want to be disrespectful, but for lack of a better word, Grayson Lamberted to death, right? Teams have been (laughs) dinking and dunking on this team to success, right? I mean, and if you combine that with PPO, which is points per opportunity uh, 48th, so, you know, slightly above average at finishing drives, but this is a bend, don't break defense that has sometimes broken. Sometimes not, but sometimes they've broken. And, you know, 92nd success rate, even when you have a good running attack, is not where you want to be uh, for UGA because, and I, and I think that's, that's really, I think the story of these stats is that the things that can, or if you're Kentucky, this is just a bad matchup for you. I think that there is a version of a very good top 10 team that Kentucky can beat, but the actual individual matchups are not great statistically or positionally. So like if you're Kentucky, you want a team that has a high flying passing attack that you can just like get your guys in front of, and slowly grind them into dust, make them earn every yard. You don't want to play a team whose offense is sort of like very happy to dink and dunk you to death, which we know mm-hmm. that Georgia can and will, right? Georgia you know, it's kind it. of the same story on on off when Kentucky has the ball, right? 42nd in EPA, mm-hmm. pretty good. 10th in success rate, 96th in explosiveness rank. So it's sort of the opposite, but it's a similar thing where it's like they're very good at being efficient. They don't have a lot of explosive plays, but they don't get stuffed a lot. Ninth in stuff rate, sixth in line yards rank. So they're pretty good at just moving the ball down the field. Fourth in PPO. They're pretty good at finishing drives. 
you know, 20th in rush EPA and then 107th in pass EPA. So it's just, it's one of those things where it's like Kentucky has an identity, which is a very good thing for a team, right? Kentucky is going to not let you get behind them on defense. They're going to run the ball on offense. And those two strengths don't match up against UGA very well, right? You are trying to go strength on strength with UGA, which is never going to work. You want to go, when you're playing a, a more talented team, you um, you have to do strength on weakness, right? Mm-hmm. You have to find some strength on weakness somewhere. I mean, and notwithstanding the fact that UGA, this UGA team doesn't have a lot of weaknesses, I think in particular, it's like, you know, Kentucky is strong at defending the explosive play, and UGA has been doing fine without explosive plays in the offense, period, right? And so yeah. it's like, I, I just don't, I think we we can talk about what the rating services say and what you know the predictive metrics say and I and I want to but this is just not just from the pure sort of like what do these two teams do well since this is not a good matchup for Kentucky mm-hmm. uh, and and it's like look if you're a team who relies on two running backs who can really run the ball but are turnover prone a quarterback who just sort of like is a very good improviser, can run a little bit, makes it up as he goes, throws a bad ball once in a while, and then one wide receiver on offense, I, that's not that's probably not sustainable against UGA, right? And look, yeah. they might scare us. I, I don't know. I mean, I've been wrong before, but it, it just seems to me like, I think this is a team that's going to play UGA close for a, bit, uh, for a chunk of the game. I think, you know, I think we might have a pretty similar, I think it's going to be a similar game to Auburn in some ways where it's like, they're hanging around. They're one or two plays away. You know, Georgia makes some plays. Georgia bows up. Maybe they get up seven to nothing, three to nothing, whatever. And then you just see sort of the boa constrictor, right? Yeah. Can can you can I, can I give you like a, a metaphor that like two people are going to get? If you don't like Magic oh, the yes, Gathering, please. skip forward thirty seconds here. Georgia <laughs> Georgia is Georgia is like a control deck with a top end right now. Georgia just oh, yeah. they do resource denial. Right. And they don't have, they don't finish the game super efficiently because their offense is just okay, but they just don't give you any chances. Right. You have to play mm-hmm. perfectly because, you know, you'll get a three and out and you get a punt to flip the field and you're like, okay, well, that's fine. Georgia comes down, they kick a field goal. Right. And you're like, all right, well, that's not too bad. We'll get the ball back. You get another three and out. Like, all right, not a big deal. Georgia screws around. They kick the ball back to you. You're like, good. We stole a possession. You get another three and out. You're like, okay, well, that's fine. We'll kick the ball again. Georgia, quick strike score. So now we're up 10 nothing, and you felt like, okay, we're okay. But suddenly, like, G- Georgia just, like, ups the tip pressure on you, ups the temperature in the pot one degree at a time. And, you know, even when they're not getting explosive plays, they just have so many three and outs in this defense. This defense can produce so many three and outs that it just, it puts pressure on Kentucky that I don't think that their offense is designed to respond to. I guess was my central thesis. So yeah, you're exactly right. Just to kind of distill it all down, like this Kentucky team is really good, as you said, at, at guarding against explosive plays, but not great at this sort of thing. That it's it's like Georgia is what Kentucky wants to be a few years down the line. Like the things that that we're doing really really well, you see flashes of that in this Kentucky offense, and you saw it a lot against LSU because LSU's defense is is pretty piss poor at this point. It's you bad. saw bits they're and pieces bad, yeah. of it. Uh, yeah, they're just very bad. You saw bits and pieces of it against Florida a few weeks ago, but all in all, like if if this Kentucky team doesn't have a run game, if they can't establish the run game, then they they really just don't have much of an offense. Like on that, Kentucky and, and, beat Florida, but their EPA, their offensive I, EPA was still well below where it should have been yeah and and i say this with respect to kentucky i don't think kentucky's mm-hmm. a bad team i think they deserve the ring not at all they have it's mm-hmm. just like so you have you have a kentucky team and you know well georgia just lost a backup safety to for the year to an injury they're very thin at the safety position and it's like what is the one thing that that kentucky has not done with any consistency it's explosive plays and it's passing consistently right and and then at the same time it's like you know, UGA loses a starting safety or a backup safety, and Kentucky has Josh Ali, who is probably the best wide receiver outside of Wandale Moore, the transfer, uh, out for the week. And so it's like, it's just for all the great things that Kentucky has done and will do, it is just a series of bad, a series of bad coincidences, matchups, 
and just like general like profiles for this Kentucky team. There are a few players that we should probably look out for, but again, I think the things that Kentucky are good at, they're just, I don't think they're going to work here this weekend. You know, they have Will Levis, who's a transfer from, I believe, uh, Penn State, who's their quarterback now. They've solved the quarterback issue. Um, they have Chris Rodriguez Jr., who is a really great running back for this team as well. But at the same time, like both, that, that's the thing that George is doing so well is they're shutting, like that's the the resource control portion of this Magic the Gathering um, allegory here is like, it's just not gonna do it. <laughs> Well, I think you have you know? to have a consistent down. I mean, look, South Carolina figured this out. I think Auburn knew this and just couldn't execute. Mm-hmm. If you're going to beat this team, you have to have a consistent downfield passing play or passing game. And you have to be able to throw down the field consistently. It's not just hit a couple of them. You got to hit like a few to loosen up the interior of this defense. Because, you know, one of the things uh, pro football focus, I think it was Seth Galina maybe, had a really, really mm-hmm. good article about like you. UGA currently Kirby Smart has evolved this like spread defense. And one of the things yeah. that this defense does is they bring three or four pretty much on every snap, but they bring them from a bunch of different places to confuse the offense and to get their guys where they need them. And they do a bunch of stuff, creepers and late blitzes and, and there's all sorts of stuff. But one of the core things about that, that sort of design means is that they often can shut a run down game down with four guys rushing like with four guys rushing the passer. And if they can mm-hmm. do that and they can drop six or seven guys, you have to loosen that up by throwing over the top of that. Right. And and it's like, I think possibly that someone might be able to do it. Alabama might be able to do that, but I just don't think that that is this Kentucky's team's strength. Even with Wondell yeah. Moore, he's kind of a run after the catch guy. I mean, he's a, he's a deep threat for sure, but you need more than one. Right. I mean, Josh Van kind of lit UGA up. And that game yeah. ended up 40 to 13. Will you, so since this was a, we've said it before at the beginning of the episode, this is going to be a, a, a slightly shorter episode. So um, instead of getting deep into things we want to see in over-unders, I kind of want to say, can you kind of paint, paint me a picture with all three of those sort of intertwined, like things we want to see that move into predictions. And if along the way you find an over-under, that's fine too. But if you don't, it is what it is. I don't, I don't really have an over-under. I mean, I, yeah. Okay. So here's the thing. I think this game yeah. is going to be scrappy. I think this is a well-coached team. I think this is a team that won't necessarily self-destruct in some of the ways that Arkansas has. Uh, I'm mean, not to say Arkansas wasn't well-coached. They just had a really bad first quarter. So I don't know that's necessarily going to be the case. I think Kentucky might keep, make this game uncomfortable in the first quarter, right? So mm-hmm. maybe they're leading. Maybe it's just like scoreless, right? They do some, and they figure something out on defense that. You know they're de- they're missing some defensive linemen. Like the the personnel is just not great right now for Kentucky in terms of like their injury status and who they have and who they don't. But I I think it's totally plausible that Kentucky does something just because they're well coached and they have a lot of momentum. I it's just okay, man. And this Kentucky team is the best they've had in a four in a few years. But yeah, let's see. Uh, the last time Kentucky scored a touchdown against UGA was in two thousand eighteen. Jeez. 2019, UGA won 21 to nothing. 2020, UGA won 14 to 3. So I don't – that Kentucky team is better than both of these those teams were. But UGA mm-hmm. is better than both of those teams were too. And so I just – I think it's going to be one of those games where it's annoying for UGA fans, where Kentucky fans are going to have some things to legitimately say at the end of the game about how they played UGA close and how they made life miserable for UGA – but I just, I think this is going to be a game where it's like boiling the frog degree by degree. I don't know about you, but I, I ended that Auburn game being like, what the hell just happened? Like, how am yeah. I nervous? We're up 24 points, right? And yeah. it just felt like a little bit at a time, right? You get a turnover and then you turn that into three points and then you get a stop. You turn that into seven points and you get a sack and you have to punt it back, but they have to go again and then they get a three and out. And it's just, you just start to take control of the game, right? At some point before the fourth quarter, you know, Kentucky or Auburn had run like 20 more plays than UGA and they were losing mm-hmm. by 17 points. And that's just what this UGA team does. And I don't know that that is going to be much different of a plan. I mean, I <laughs> really, my concern is, am I going to conduct, am I going to predict whether or not Kentucky f- scores a touchdown? And I, th- I, I think yes. Cause I think Wondell Mar is good. 
And I think that this game might get out of hand and they might get to have some opportunities against the second and third team defense. So I, I, I think this might be maybe not quite South Carolina, but I think it might look a little bit like South Carolina slash Auburn. I let's see. I'm not sure that this Kentucky defense can get a lot of stops against this UGA offense. So mm. I'm going to say 38 to 10. And yes, I, and, and I, and I'm not trying to like damn them with faint praise when I say that it literally might be seven, seven at the end of the first quarter. Cause I do think Kentucky's pretty good. I just think that yeah. UGA is going to do the thing that it does. Mm-hmm. It's a slow burn. It's a well, slow burn until it's not essentially is how I kind yeah, of feel about yeah. it. Spe- specifically because they specifically because like they don't have the sp- they don't have the actual granular micro matchups that they need to do what they would like to do in terms of upsetting UGA. I don't believe so. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. I kind of feel the same way that that this Kentucky team is good. They got a pretty good special team as well. So I think they're going to be able to put the ball where they need to put it, you know, on the, on the turnovers. But I don't think that this is a team that can hold up against this Georgia team for, for too long. I think by the end of the second quarter, I think going at halftime, it may be more or less decided in a lot of ways, but I think you're right. But by the end of the first quarter, it may be closer than we want, but that could mean seven, three, that can mean 14, three. It can mean something like that. But I think as the game progresses, it's going to get, I think it will get out of hand at some point. Um, it will be okay. But I think that Kentucky may come out swinging. Kentucky has nothing to lose at this point. They're, they're undefeated. They are 11 and zero. like I, I say they, they have nothing to lose, but they only have nothing to lose because they have everything to gain from having a win against this team. And if they show up and they play well, that is not as good as a win, but it's a, it's a quality loss, you know? Um, and if they play well against the, the number one team in the nation, then, then that's not so bad. But I think this is a team that, that might put a few balls to the uprights, but, but maybe not much more. Um, I have them at 38, six Georgia winning. Yeah. And I do want to be clear because I, I imagine that someone from Kentucky could possibly listen to this to this preview. Mm-hmm. We are not giving Kentucky short shrift because we don't think that they're a good team. We are recording a short episode because we're both exhausted. Yes. Uh, so. <laughs> All right. Yes. I guess that was, yes, yes. That yes. might have been a record. That might have been a record through predictions. That was uh, 34 minutes. And now we're going to do everyone's hey. Ask CBC questions. You can tell I'm exhausted. We're going to do everybody's <laughs> favorite segment, Ask CBC. I hope you guys ask good questions because I'm so tired. I don't know if I can be funny. All right. Let's do it. Uh, we did have an Ask CBC coming through from Eric Gluckman that asks, Can Ask CBC become Ask CBC? Brought to you by Stetson Bennett the Fourth, the official mailman of Georgia football. Um, and the answer is, sure. Why not? At least for today. And if I remember next time, Totally. All right. It's mailbag time. Yay. Mail's here. Thanks, Stetson. This has been fun. All right. (laughs) Next question. Irk Dressel asks, how much do you think Muschamp has helped the defense and how much blame does he get for the special team's troubles? And that's quote unquote troubles. Okay. Because he put put the the square coat, the square coats. Yeah, he did. Yeah. Uh, Brobroma asked right after that, what special teams troubles? (laughs) Yeah. I, I, I think this is probably just like a pretty average special teams unit. Uh, I'm trying to find SP plus ranking who tracks special teams real quick. After week uh-huh. six, UGA is 34th in special teams, which is, you know, fine. Uh, so yeah, that's, that's okay. Um, yeah. So yeah, I mean, I, I think he has helped. I mean, look, one much is probably not a head coach in the SEC. And I think that, you know, his son's on the team. His younger son is a very good quarterback at, I believe, Athens Academy, I want to say. Uh, and I don't see him leaving unless someone really gives him a good offer. And I think he likes his job here. And I'm happy for him because he served us well as our sleeper agent for about 15 years. So, I, yeah, <laughs> I, I, he's I, he's a great football mind. He's a really good defensive game planner. I'm sure he's helped. I mean, anyone who's touched this defense this year, you got to think they get a little bit of credit. Oh, yeah. They did something, right? Mm-hmm. For sure. Uh, next question, Irk Ver- Russell, is has anyone ever ran a four tight end set? Oh, yeah, definitely. Stanford has. I think they ran like a 15 one time. 
<laughs> 15 tight ends out there. <laughs> uh, next question, Christy in London. Do any of the current or past UGA roster give any appearance uh, of listening to Chapel Bell Curve? If not, who would you imagine would be the most likely to? And he says, I'm, gonna, I'm rooting for the scout team, long snapper. I want to just go ahead and say that I want to. I want to go ahead and say that no, because I'm the most arrogant person in the world, and not even I think that. You know who I think it would be? I think Rodrigo would have dug our shit. Yeah, if anybody, yeah, I think Rodrigo is probably the most likely to enjoy the thing that we make. Uh, but I, I don't know how much is here for like a, a somebody who knows football really, really well, like like somebody who knows it from the inside out kind of thing. I don't know. I could be totally wrong. Mm-hmm. Maybe he enjoyed it. Hot Rod, maybe I mean, I, I Chris think Conley might enjoy it. Most, He's kind of a nerd too. Yeah, I think most people who would enjoy it would enjoy it for non-football reasons because we're too little, we're too chuckle fucks. We're not <laughs> like I. I can give you decent statistical insight into football because I understand the way stats work, and I think that they give a football novice, which let's be real, from a technical perspective, most people are football novices, and I would mm-hmm. say I am at best a uh, uh, of a very bad intermediate football understander, right? Uh, a, a gifted novice maybe, right? So uh-huh. I would never claim to know a lot about football. And I think anyone who did would think that I was an idiot. <laughs> so <laughs> That's okay. You're very smart. Uh, Christy in London's next question. In recent months, have any board games caught your eye or do you only have time for RPGs and magic at the moment? Uh, I played Scythe, which is not a new board game. But yeah, I you it. did. We both played Scythe together. It was uh, awesome. I played I really some Twilight Imperium recently that I really like. I, I, why am I giving you all the sadist board games? Oh, okay. You I played one. Twilight Imperium recently, really? Yeah, I played it online. Okay. Against like computers on the like the app and got my ass kicked. Mm-hmm. It's way faster yeah. against computers without online. You know. Um, I'm sure. What's what's the name of this? Is it? Um, you you give me yours. Oh, Scythe was one of them. We played Scythe together several months ago. It was fantastic. I want to play Scythe again. Um, the game, I bought a lot of games over the past year that I just have not got to play yet because I kept buying them up because they were all in sale at a certain point, and I wanted to support all of the board game uh, makers that I really enjoyed, but many of them I have not played yet, and I'm like, I'll buy this, and I'll play it with my friends one day. And the the one that I bought recently that I'm really excited about is Root, and the Root... Um, expansions as well that just has like a lot of really adorable and cute woodland creatures that uh it's a one of those like asymmetrical uh sort of rpg style board games where everybody all the different creature factions have their own uh set of skills and things like that and you play against each other and the expansions add to it um but scythe was really awesome scythe is also very similar but it's like a alternate history um steampunk world uh set i think it post world war one or around World War One, but it was it was really good, really really good. So I have one. We've been giving very hardcore answers. I have one that's not hardcore, and it's uh-huh. a game I've only played a couple of times, but it's my one of my favorite games, uh, and that's Sagrada. Ooh. So Sagrada is a dice drafting game. I guess is what you'd call it. It's about mm-hmm. making a stained glass window, like a family. There were these old red cool. families that specialized in stained glass windows. Have you ever played Sagrada? So what you do yeah. is you have like a big pool of dice that you determine how many you put out and they're all different colors and you roll them all out like a random pool of dice and they all have their faces up and then one at a time you pick them and you have like basically a grid that you put, you try, you're trying to fill in like a grid that is your stained glass window and it's beautiful. Mm-hmm. It's S-A-G-R-A-D-A. It's pretty quick. It's gorgeous, like really, 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 really beautiful. It's like one of the prettiest games. And like they have, all, you know, it's like these colored crystal dye. And like, I don't know, it's just a cool like color and like physical sort of like you're actually building this thing, this little piece of art in front of you. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's one of the least, like, I mean, it's competitive and there's different cards where you can like kind of screw over the other players, but it just doesn't feel very, it doesn't feel too competitive. And it's just a really nice, like my wife and I played it and really had a fun time. Highly recommend it. That reminds me, I did get to play uh, right before Kiwi Dan and his wife left um, back to New Zealand. Dean. They they made they let us play this game with them called it's just called Birds. No, it's called Wingspan. Wingspan is what it's called. 
but it's about birds and it is an absolutely gorgeous game. Like there's plenty of like substance there that you can, you can uh, kind of get into it. And there's a lot of strategy involved, but at the end of the game, like we looked at the cards and we we're like, Oh, the game's over. And then we all kind of looked at our cards. And we're like, we learned a lot about birds today. Didn't we everybody? And they were like, yeah, that was really nice. <laughs> and I was just kind of like, yeah, That's that was awesome. nice. Wasn't it? Yeah. I enjoyed you know, playing another one with everybody. <laughs> another one like that, that isn't, it's a little more cutthroat, but it's in like a fun way is, uh, uh-huh. that I have played with you that I highly recommend is Sushi Go. Sushi Go is oh, an yes. amazing party game. It's so fun. Mm-hmm. You're building like sushi rolls and like sushi orders and it's just such a, it's one of those like, ah, oh, you bastard, but it's like in a funny way kind of re- reaction. It's, mm-hmm. it's very cool. Man, okay. Let's uh, let's move on before we get <laughs> too yeah, deep into just board games. Uh, Abby Stage Manager for Life asks, what's your favorite fall themed cocktail? It's old fashioned season, baby. Yeah, I like old fashions. If you really want like a really fall themed, I like doing one. I, I've had it several different ways, but uh, where you sort of do like I forget what the name of it is, but it's like apple cider, whiskey, maybe a little apple brandy, uh, apple butter that you like mm-hmm. emulsify into the apple cider, and then maybe a little bit of it's like almost like an apple cider mule. Sometimes you make it with ginger mm-hmm. beer. Um, it's very, very good. I love Ooh, apple yes. cider. Any any drink that has apple cider in it, I'm very good. I'm very excited by. Yep. You can make a really nice, like, uh, a thinner but still flavorful apple butter and put that in just about any kind of cocktail if you shake it. Yeah, super good. Super, super good. Um, second question. Since T-Swift and Adele are releasing Sad Girl Fall albums in November, what's your fall aesthetic? Basic Girl Fall, Sad Girl Fall, or Spooky Girl Fall? <laughs> I mean, yeah. Got, I mean, my religion is goth girls and fishnets, so spooky girl. <laughs> I'm basic girl fall all day. Like, I can sit here and tell you that I'm spooky girl, but no, I'm I'm basic girl. I'm as basic as it comes. I just wear That's a me. lot of black. I wear a lot of yeah. black in the fall. I mean, I guess I wear, like, kind of, I try to, like, when I wear, when I wear plaid or denim, because I have a lot of denim and plaid shirts, I always try to punk it up a little bit on the bottom. So, like, I have big earrings mm-hmm. in or I like roll it up and like wear like skateboard shoes with it or whatever. I'm I'm trying to be like, I would, I would describe my sense of style at all times. as just being like me trying to slap punk on top of whatever else I'm wearing. Mm -hmm. Doing, doing the best, doing the best. I can a little grungy. Oh yeah. You got to next question. K Sarge, what's your favorite play from the NFL blitz 2000 playbook? And why is it da bomb? Um, I was a kid who went to the skate rink and I played two games. Well, three games. Um, I played NFL Blitz. We played uh, the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles uh, game. And then also um, Time Splitters. Those are the three games we played at, the, at the, the skating rink. And so these are the three plays that you use when playing NFL Blitz. And I don't know if you have opinions on this, Nathan, but I, I had some opinions on this. Okay, In this right. order. Turmoil. Debomb, Sub Zero. Those are your three plays. <laughs> That's it. You do Turmoil when you're on your side of the field, Debomb whenever the hell you want, and Sub Zero when you're in their red zone. That's it. That's that's NFL Blitz. I'm trying to Done. look up these these plays. Tur- turmoil is the NF the Debomb is like a trips like deep four. Mm-hmm. Um, there's not actually a fourth wide receiver. No, there is. So it's it's um, it's almost like there's like, like a sweep, uh, right? It's like well, there's a sweep action on it, but it's like an all go, like um, four verts kind of thing. But it's in, out of trips. Mm-hmm. Turmoil is like there's a sweep and then some curls on top of it. Okay, Sub Zero, mm-hmm. I get that. There's like a comeback and there's an out route and there's a crossing route, and it looks like there's a little like hitch. There's not an out route, but there is a, a wide receiver screen. Oh, but I bet that getting that tight end on Sub Zero coming across on the crosser. I feel like middle of the middle of the field plays in video games and football video games are basically unbeatable. Like anything yeah. with a tight end seam, four verts is the I think the ultimate play. Mm-hmm. That's my those are my opinions. Those are my, my NFL Blitz two thousand opinions. And uh as Nathan would say, if you're if you're gonna come, you better come, come correct. correct. Yeah. Keith Schrader. If an SEC team was a hard liquor, what would they be? 
Well, Kentucky's bourbon, right? I mean, they're they bourbon. Yeah, bourbon all day. Yeah, I think yeah. Georgia's also bourbon, right? <laughs> Georgia is probably beer, right? Like just yeah, just you're good. probably right. Just yeah. good. Georgia just, is just like regular just ass good. beer. Just not nah, no nah, no. Nah. Georgia is like, what's the IPA that you're just like? It's good all the time. It's just always oh, that's good. The, the Chance IPA from Their Wild Chance. Beer. We talk about it all the time. Yeah. Not yeah. a sponsor. Uh, but Chance, what trades Wild Leap? Like we've been doing this for free. You want to throw some money? Wild Leap. <laughs> Lagrange, <laughs> not mad us up. about it. Yeah. Uh, which what what team then? I guess what team would you say is the cheapest liquor? Mm, Ole Miss. Ole Miss. Yeah. Are they just like they're just like Any, plastic jug? Anywhere whiskey? anywhere Lane Kiffin coaches is like an on fire glass of Everclear. <laughs> it works they're brunette's vodka oh no Uh, but it's like brunette's vodka that's been lit on fire like it works but it will hurt you it will hurt you it'll definitely get you drunk it hurts yeah but it's there much like having sex with lane kiffin i assume it It hurts but it happened it works it works but afterwards you're like oh jesus god what did i do why did i do that yeah Uh, what is alabama then uh moonshine alabama's like, moonshine it'll make you blind see like, like you always t- come back you're like like you know at the end of the night when when you're just drunk enough to where you're like yeah let me i want moonshine we want moonshine right yeah yeah no <laughs> it's you like you it, think it's, it's a, good a good idea it it doesn't matter how big of a man you are it's gonna whip your ass and make you blind maybe mm-hmm. playing alabama does give you that like damn kind of thing going on mm-hmm. so we want bama we want moonshine no you don't <laughs> no you don't you don't want that like the less <laughs> Speaking sugar... of tv dan from earlier he also had many moonshines all of the time he worked with a guy who just made moonshine at home which that's the kind of moonshine you want don't go out and buy moonshine at the store no. you gotta know a guy who makes moonshine right yep. Yep. sorry i dropped my <laughs> earring yeah if you if you're drinking moonshine that has a label on it it ain't moonshine <laughs> If, if, it, if the label is anything other than Sharpie writing on the top of a mason jar, you're, you're drinking like sugary whiskey. Mm-hmm. Uh, our last question is kind of a story. I was, uh, I've been prompted to tell a story of uh, something that, you know, if y'all are looking for something to do in your, during your off week next week, uh, this is definitely something that I would suggest going out and doing. So, um, Ian Boatman, listener of the show, member of the Discord, uh, told a quick story, and I will tell that and kind of where that heads. But uh, he says, in a little asterisk, goes to office kitchen to wash my hands, sees new hand soap. Me, ooh, new hand soap. What's it smell like? Pour some in hand smells. I get notes of bottom shelf tequila mixed with mystery liquid found at the corner of College Avenue and Clayton Street on Friday night, which is a terrible smell uh, all around. And then uh, Ryan Scott Nelson uh mentions and tags me as shitty bar review bottom shelf edition which this is my suggestion if you're looking for something to do next weekend um do this don't do this do whatever you want to do but ryan nelson and i used to do this thing called shitty bar review where we would go to we wanted to go to every single bar in athens and we wanted to review them all like yelp style and we brought little notepads and we took notes everywhere we went and we had kind of like an arbitrary list of things that we rated every bar on like cleanliness um drinks uh service like stickiness and it, it, it as you can imagine it got worse as the night went on but one of the, my favorite stories from shitty bar review was and we, you would have to go you have to go to like 10 different bars in a night and you have to get a drink at every bar and you have to sit and you have to kind of be bring you like a, what your white glove and whatnot and really like really get into it but we went to i believe uh double double not double barrel but on the same street as double barrel it was one of those one of those bars that is not that bar anymore one of those that you walk by and Uh every time you walk uh by it uh you don't notice until you hear someone inside and you're like oh i guess that's a bar and so we went in there um and we went to the bar we went to the bartender uh it was loud it was sticky there was like uh like a, a not even like a thin film of stuff on the ground it was like there was probably just like a like a half inch just liquid from the front to the back oh we had to walk through it all the way to the the bar actually and so get there talk to the bartender and we're like what do we want and so we pulled the group and and ryan goes let's get tequila shots 
Oh, uh, God. And then leans over oh, the bar, God. and he's like, but nothing expensive. Like, we want, we just want basic tequila. And the guy looks at us, and I shit you not, he says, are you sure? And the Ryan guy, looks at him dead in the, the eye. The guy whose job was to sell alcohol to you looked at you <laughs> exactly. and said, are you sure? Are you sure? And Ryan That's a goes, bad sign. I've never been more sure in my life. And the man, I'm not kidding, has to, he puts his hand on the bar to support himself as he leans down to the bottom of the shelf in front of him and goes, okay, and pours it you know, in our shot glasses. That was the last drink we had that night. Um, and we just had a note on our, our notepad that just said, floor sticky, booze bad. Like, <laughs> this was a bad time. <laughs> Like when so, the people yeah. that work there are giving you the like red flag signs, you got you got to mm-hmm. get out. You got to get out, man. That's like, that's like that. That was the guy in the horror movie offering you the chance not to go to the cabin for the weekend. Yeah, you're like, I'm gonna get naked and take a shower, and the guy's like, Are you sure? Mm-hmm. That might not be the best use of your time. Uh, so yeah, if anybody goes out and does a shitty bar review, make sure to let me know, and I will. Um, I will not tell you my opinions on what bar I believe is the shittiest until you come to me with your opinions so we can compare our notes. Hmm. And that is that is our truncated show, our yeah, abridged version. We're getting out of here in wanna... 52 minutes on the recording, and I'm sure once it gets cut down, it's going to be even shorter. But listen, we gave you, this is all about what do we have to give to you, and we're going to give it to you. And so usually we have our bounty is as deep and boundless as the sea, to quote Juliet. But you know, hmm. right now, it's it's not. It's more like we're we're more like we feel about you the way Rosaline feels about Romeo more than the way Juliet does. And I'm sorry that that that's the way it is, but we're trying. Do you want me to see us out? Beautiful. Yeah, you want to see us out? <laughs> yeah, I was just I waiting do. for you to keep going. I was no. Enjoying I mean, it. I I thought I okay. This has been Chapel Bell Curve. If you liked what you heard here today, we would encourage you to give us a review at Apple podcasts or spotify or wherever you scrawl graffiti in the local toilets of your finest public toilet trier <laughs> so if you would like to get in touch with us you can contact us on facebook or instagram at chapel bell curve on twitter also at chapel bell curve or via email at chapel bell curve at chapel bell curve.com or jesus christ at chapel bell curve at gmail.com <laughs> leave it in i'm so tired <laughs> if you'd like to support this show we would love if you would get on the Patreon at patreon.com forward slash chapel bell curve there for as little as $1 a month, you can support the show and everything that we have going on in it. We are going to maybe try to do new, better Patreon tiers where we have more than just one in $5. I'm thinking uh, maybe just so people can like move them up and down. And yeah, mm-hmm. uh, we will catch you this weekend in the classic city or parts unknown, but until then go dogs. Go dogs. Mm-hmm.